All American Gunslingers presenting Ubaldi Reports. Hey, everybody. This is John at Ubaldi Reports, the one uh, podcast that provides fact, not fiction, on issues facing America, whether domestically or globally. And it's interesting. We're, te- we're coming from Tampa, Florida. We weren't sure we were going to be able to do this TikTok because I was stuck at home and it was a lot of flooding, so it was hard to get through the different um, roads and everything. But it finally receded, so we're doing fine. How did you guys all fair during the um, hurricane I slept like a baby oh, that's good to know. <laughs> I mean, a little bit of wind nothing major yeah oh is this like your first hurricane now yeah all right ah, and it was disappointing congratulations <laughs> cody your first hurricane yeah it's not look we kind of do things a little bit differently here in florida when it comes to our hurricanes I mean, we're kind of just like, I think Cody was ready too. He's like, oh, we're going to have a hurricane party? He was getting like all ready for uh, his his party. No, the one, the one thing is interesting in hurricanes in Florida because it's warm. Mm-hmm. It's like the beach comes to you. You don't have to go the water. Like the, where I live, the whole street in front of me was flooded up to what the, you know, where you park your cars at. So you just walk about maybe two, three inches, about two inches of water mm-hmm. and you just but it was it poured last night. I it mean, I was kind of, it was almost like so. I think the equivalent of hurricanes for Floridians is snow days for everybody else. So I'm kind of just like I'm in bed and I'm like, all right. Uh, first thing I do is I check to make sure I see if the gym is open. Yeah, the gym wasn't open. Yeah, for the me gym too. wasn't open, so I was just like, and then I was just I was just double checking. So I called my I, I t- messaged my buddy, hey, gym's not open. I'll see you at work. And then I'm just kind of just waiting for somebody at work to be like, yeah, don't come in today. Yeah, don't come in today. So 7.30 rolls around. I'm just like, I got to go to work. <laughs> yeah, for me, we had they gave us a couple hours off early. I stayed till my normal time because we have inventory going through. So I wanted to get a jump on that without the phones and people coming in. But today we had off, mm-hmm. which was kind of nice. I could sleep in, but I was slept in till 6 to get on my radio show. And then when I get there, they're like, oh, the host is up in Gainesville. We're going to cancel you today, but we'll have you back tomorrow. Can you be back on tomorrow at 610? So I said, okay. But I'll still go to the gym tomorrow, and like I normally do, come home like it's a Monday. Mm-hmm. And then go from there. But it was – I'm just glad it wasn't as damaging well, as it on, could This, this is not going to be our first hurricane. It might be. But I mean, we still have the month, of, all of September. Oh yeah, that's right. We got and, also, and October. And October. And also, like some of the uh, like, so um, Hurricane Sandy was the one that hit up uh, in Jersey. Then that was in October. Yeah. So we still got about two two full months at yeah. least. So we'll see what happens. So maybe you'll get a little bit of a better hurricane. This is just kind of like maybe like a, a, a teaser. A, yeah, this is like a warm bath a hurricane. <laughs> I'm just I'm hoping until thing. I get more of the. Um, um, what do you call it? Uh, the situation of what happened, see how much damage there was. I'm I sure. want to be out in the street holding an American flag, headbanging to like like some like Metallica, you know, with the wind just blowing right at me. That's what I kind of that's that, that's my hurt. That's my version yeah, of a hurricane. But the thing is, with this hurricane, is just like last year, but this one more importantly, this gave Governor DeSantis really. I mean, I'm not going to play the politics here but it gave him front and center yeah. the national um national viewers because he was on tv he was out and about he was you know common people like this is what you need to do this is what you should do don't do this do this mm-hmm. he was given updates so he was really taking command and florida does a good job because we get we go through these all the time but it really showed 
someone who's engaged in the process. Now, you can see how other governors failed. Like, I mean, obviously, Hurricane Katrina when it was Governor Blanco. I mean, Governor Newsom had some issues with um, the latest disasters they've had over the last number of years. Or even take President Biden's handling of the Maui um, fire. Well, can we kind of go back for a little bit? Is that, I mean, I still like Ramaswamy. But, I mean, just having DeSantis kind of back here in Florida, kind of he came off the campaign trail. Correct. I mean, it shows um, his leadership because he was able to put everything on pause because he's like, hey, my state needs me. And it kind of kind of reassured me as a Floridian as well to be like, you know what? He does care about Florida. We were kind of seeing Correct. maybe a less of him as the campaign trail was heating up. Yeah, as it was heating up. But then, you know it would have been a bad move to kind of been like to do this from afar. So him coming in, well, you know, it just kind of um, but see, reassures but, his leadership. Well, it does. But see, that makes or breaks candidates. That makes or breaks um, political leaders. We've seen it over the years. Uh-huh. A disaster comes in. This is something you're not expecting. It's something that's not planned. And you're just supposed to handle it. And whether you have planned it for or not. Now, after Hurricane Katrina – more uh, counties, cities, states have gotten more involved because they're the ones who take the lead. And we've seen governors in the past, like I mentioned, Governor Blanco have dealt with Hurricane Katrina. She was clearly way above her head and didn't plan for it. I mean, we had a situation out in California, and then the way the gov- uh, President Biden handled um, the Maui um, fire, and then it was fall back on – they keep trying to blame – of the Maui fire on climate change, and that wasn't climate change. I got a question for Cody. Being in Colorado, as long as you have, what's the closest thing have you seen to a natural disaster in that area? Or like in, like just in Colorado in general, like earthquake or? No real earthquakes. Um, there a few years back, we did have a massive fi- wildfire followed by massive okay. rains. And so that the problem with that is the fire came through and burnt everything that retained the ground mm-hmm. and then when the floods when the rain came in it flooded and just eroded everything away so massive swaths of mountain now, roads where, would be gone. where did you where did you live in colorado i was in the denver suburbs okay when you're in denver it snows in denver right mm-hmm. you get a lot of snow we get a lot of sl- snow but it doesn't really stay well the reason i was asking that question because you see this up in boston new york and some other really where they do get a lot of snow, Buffalo would be one. It's how the you may not get a, a fire or a natural disaster, but when you get snow, the big uh, snow um, snow drifts come in, a lot of mayors got faulted for how they handled snow removal because you want to get people back to work, get people moving. So if you don't have a plan for snow removal, I know – I think Mayor de Blasio got hit hard for his response to a massive snowstorm that came in, and he did not have a really good response to get the snow out of there. So that's where you can get hit hard. So it's how leaders handle it. Now, the whole Maui situation, it's um, the administration continually, and his surrogates and Democrats want to blame climate change when, in fact, this was all man-made. One, it was utility wires came down. They didn't have a proper plan on emergency management. That was a governor. They didn't have it. They had issues with water. That was their water municipalities and all that stuff. So a lot of it was 
ineptitude in the government level, ineptitude and failure to handle some of these key issues, not climate change. So these issues can make or break you. And that goes back to the original crux of what we want to discuss during this um, this podcast is um, if Joe Biden is not the nominee for president, then who should be? Well, I mean, or is it can we put an equivalent out there like who who we who should be maybe in the same spot as Joe Biden and, you know, where I would, I, I mean, I don't want to speak for Cody, but I mean, we kind of lean a little bit to the right. So we no. kind of, so we kind of have an <laughs> idea. We kind of have an idea of who we would vote for. But just like we did um, two years ago, another podcast when it was, if not Trump, then who? Um, I want you to convince me of this uh, candidate. Of this candidate. Yeah. Now, back then, this was during the 2020 election. Joe had asked a question. Who could go toe-to-toe with Donald Trump? It was James Webb, right? And I said James Webb. And just to refresh our viewers, say, but James Webb was Secretary of the Navy under Ronald Reagan. He was a secretary, he was the um, U.S. Senator from Virginia as a Democrat, and he was a Vietnam veteran in the Marine Corps. That, that, that would have got me right there. And he won the Navy Cross, which is the second highest combat decoration. His, Again, that would be then sure my vote right and there. And then his son was an enlisted combat Marine in Iraq. And I've talked to Marines who served alongside James Webb's son. I go, so what's James Webb's son really like? Uh-huh. And he goes, he, he wanted no notoriety. He just wanted to do his job as a Marine. Now, they didn't put him in the front-line position, even though he was in the infantry, because of who his father was. Uh-huh. But he didn't want any special treatment or anything like that. So, And then he had an impeccable family. He loves his wife and children. And he would have gone, been able to go toe-to-toe. He wasn't a far leftist, but he was more moderate when it came to social issues, a little more fiscally conservative, and more of a pragmatist. See, the moderate Democrats I can get down with. I mean, if they're kind of like, if I mean, I think maybe what Trump maybe showed us was that he really didn't let the left or the right kind of dictate what he wanted to do. He... Just like DeSantis is why I kind of like DeSantis is like he wants what's better for America like DeSantis wants what's better for Florida. And that's the kind of person I don't care if you have a D or an R in front of your name. If you have that mentality going into uh, becoming as president, then you have my support, whether I agree with it or not. The problem with the Democratic Party, this goes, this predates Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. You have to look back at the 2020, excuse me, the 2008 election. Once Hillary Clinton lost and Barack Obama won, I can't prove this, but I think they made a, a, a deal. You become Secretary of State, and then four years later, you can um, prep to run in 2016. Mm-hmm. So when Barack Obama won, you go back to as soon as he got elected and as soon as he got inaugurated, James Carville, the, f- the famous um, political um, consultant who, uh, who coined the phrase, it's the economy stupid, back in 92, said, we're going to see Democratic majorities for a generation. Well, less than two years later, the Democratic Party got clobbered in the midterm elections in uh, 2010, this is where they lost the the House, and then four years later they lost the the Senate in 2014. So when Barack Obama left the White House in 2016, 
he lost well over 1,100 um, um, elected seats. And then you have Hillary Clinton. They cleared the way for her. Everybody else couldn't get funding, couldn't get traction, just like I said, James Webb. So then you fa- then Donald Trump comes along and knocked her out. So there's really not a big base for the Democrats to go to. Okay, uh, so going back, there's a question here on TikTok. One is saying, and I would say it's, it's Avram, Avram, zero one one eight. It says, please tell me how Trump looked out for the U.S. Facts, please. Well, the facts that you can look at is he made the biggest one right now is what we went through in Florida. Pre, uh, getting prepped for the the hurricane. No, Trump, not DeSantis. No, I'm going with Trump. I'm going with DeSantis. I'm, well, not, I'm not saying DeSantis. I'm going with Trump. Okay, okay. We had to fill up our tank of gas. Mm-hmm. Gas is here in Florida. I don't know where the person's coming from. It's about th- um, three. It's three fifty-five at least. Where I around the corner from me. Gas has been en- energy has been well over two dollars a gallon since um, uh, Bill Clinton. Not Bill Clinton. Um, Joe Biden took office. You look at everything. We're spending seven hundred dollars per month per family mm-hmm. than you did two, three years ago. So you got to look at energy prices, utility prices. You got to look at food prices. You got to look at almost all your commodities. Everything is higher now. Then you look at the border. Seven million illegal immigrants have crossed the U.S. southern border. You got New York needing to spend twelve billion dollars a year to cover the cost. So. I would look at it this way. I think it's, Trump did a far better job taking care of the economics of the country pre-pandemic than Joe Biden. Now, if you look at unemployment's low, but we're still a million jobs, uh, million jobs short, or we're basically one full percentage point lower in labor participation rate now than we were in February of 2020. Mm-hmm. And that goes to, you can look at the Bureau of Economic Analysis or the Bureau of Labor Statistics to look at that. All right, so get me to vote for a Democrat, and who would you suggest? Well, the case, like I said earlier, if they were because of what Barack Obama's presidency and Hillary Clinton and the DNC channeled everything to her, and they lost because there were some key Democrats that were taken out in some of these midterm elections, like in 2004, excuse me, 2014, Sam Nunn, who was a longtime U.S. senator from Georgia and very influential in defense policy, his daughter ran for U.S. Senate. She was looked at as an up-and-coming Democrat. She lost. And some key Democrats lost across the country. So then the progressives have elected more candidates. Like you look at California. Gavin Newsom is uh, chomping at the bit to run for president, even though he's doing it under the shadows. Or Gretchen Whitmer or Catherine, Catherine Hochul of New York. Yeah. But if you look at these candidates, they all are more progressive than Joe Biden. Then if you look at some of the moderate candidates, like you say, like Joe Manchin, you've got um, Senator um, Sherrod Brown of Ohio, who's always looked at as a vice presidential candidate and potential presidential candidate. But they all voted for everything that Joe Biden pushed in the Congress and in the Senate. So they're going to have a hard time. And now people are looking at maybe uh, Michelle Obama would come back and run. I don't know what her interest is. So they don't really have a deep bench to choose from. And that's the problem the Democrats have. You can't go with Kamala Harris because even Democrats 
may not admit it openly, but they're behind the scenes are saying she can't possibly be the Democratic nominee for president. So in the House, since we're majority of majority Republican, are they? I think News Newsmax came out with something saying that they have damning evidence about corruption with Joe Biden. Is the name of the game now just to maybe throw Joe Biden off his game so that they would have to consider somebody else, and then Trump just walks that into could, the White, White, White well, House? Well, it's not so much Trump would walk into the White House. It's the fact for the— I mean, death. so let's be obvious. Trump's going to be the nominee, in your opinion, or what do you well, think? Well, it's—I'm going by with Victor Davis Hanson. I kind of agree with him. Victor Davis Hanson is the scholar at the Hoover Institute. He said—someone asked him that very question. He goes— is Trump going to be the nominee? We don't know. Mm-hmm. We've never been in this situation in the history of the country where you have a major party candidate facing these type of indictments, whether from the state or the federal. Now, right now, his base is backing him. Mm-hmm. But will that be the same come uh, January, February, March when we go into – the primary season. Nobody knows. But did you take a look at his poll numbers after he he was a no-show for the first uh, GOP debate? Yeah, I mean... It, did, did anything happen? Go up, stay, It same? went up a little bit, but still all the other candidates went up. Now, but will that still be the same? Will there be Trump fatigue going into the primaries? We don't know. Well, And nobody right now can predict that he will be the nominee, and nobody can predict he won't be the nominee. But right now, Trump's not going around shoving Trump down other, down people's throats. He's letting the media and the indictments kind of show but people what's going on, and then he's just coming in and just kind of maybe adding his, you know, his retort or yeah. uh, maybe a statement about but it. Joe, here's the point where we're at right now. You have Trump facing four indictments. Mm-hmm. You got the one down in Miami. You got Georgia. You've got the federal indictment, and then you got the New York one. Mm-hmm. Then you also have Joe Biden. You have his two big negatives on him. You got all these things with Hunter Biden, and each time, different things come out. Now, this isn't just me saying this. You have constitutional scholars like Jonathan Turley, um, De- um, Alan Dershowitz, and I can't remember this gentleman's name. I saw him. I heard him over the weekend. He was a, a Democratic attorney on the um, House Oversight Committee and when the Democrats controlled that. Even he said all these things are very damaging to the, the president. So then you've, if, he's, if more comes out and his involvement is deeper than we all knew and we're starting to see more with the Hunter Biden things and the corruption with the money from China and Ukraine, then factor in the economy. When... To, Biden ran in 2020, mm-hmm. he could run from the basement because he wasn't the president. Trump was. Yep. Now in 2024, he's the president. And if Kevin O'Leary from, you know, from the Shark Tank, if you go by him, and I've seen other economic reports come out that small businesses aren't getting the loans, and you guys, you guys can attest to this because you're trying to get a loan, small businesses aren't getting the loans they once did. Because all the money and everything that Joe Biden did went to um, corporate America, which is 40%. 60%, and this is from the Bureau of Economic Analysis, 60% of the U.S. economy is small business, 50 employees or less. Yeah. So you've got that in, and then you got to factor in everybody has paying, like I said earlier, you're paying higher gas, your utilities costs are more, 
your rent is going up, you have a hard time getting a mortgage, you, every cost is going up. Like for myself, just for a reporting standpoint, I always go to the baby formula aisle. And I encourage, check that out. It's still a shortage. Just because we're not talking about it, it's still a shortage. So this all plays into what happens next year. And that's why maybe some Democrats are hoping maybe that something more comes out so they can get him out and they can get Kamala Harris out. But that's a hard nut to, to, to pull. And then where do you go? Who's next? Gavin Newsom? Mm-hmm. They're going to look at California's mess. And do you want that duplicated across the country? I like Gavin Newsom if he would be able to run California a little bit better. But since California is, in itself is an S-hole and it's it's, 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 it's it's green policies aren't working, I don't think he'd be right. And as we talked in a previous podcast about how Joe Biden is kind of mimicking the country off of California. But I did get a question okay. from... Uh, Kenneth Edward Casey goes, do you know one of the biggest reasons why Trump lost in 2020? Well, I would think one of the biggest reasons beyond some of the things that we're seeing being investigated now is, let's be honest, his narcissism. Okay. I would think, and this is not, this is not just me saying this, this is also coming from William Barr, his attorney general, who said his narcissism really hampered him. I mean, I got it, all the other problems with them changing the election law. You have social media getting involved for Joe Biden, the media not doing its job. Um, the the story with Hunter Biden's laptop, which was we said was disinformation, which was not. But I think the you can't you gotta fo- face fact. His narcissism did him in. Mm-hmm. So that was that would be one thing I would say he lost. Okay. On. <clears throat> So uh, others are kind of saying like Gavin Newsom runs the fourth largest uh, economy in the world with uh, California. Okay, California does. It's either about the fourth or fifth largest economy, but because if but if you take out the tech community and even the tech company community now in Silicon Valley is shedding jobs, but most of the jobs being created, the average wage is or salary is about forty thousand dollars or less. Mm-hmm. So if you look at now, there's a website I follow on California politics called Cal Matters. It's a moderate, just gives you the facts. And if you look at it, California has the greatest income inequality. They have the greatest homeless issue. Thirty percent of all homelessness is in America. And under the five-year governorship of Gavin Newsom, they spent twenty billion dollars on homelessness. And with the, they have a shortage of their unemployment insurance, which they had to borrow. 18 billion dollars from the federal government they kind of defaulted on it so now the federal government is making every employer make up the difference so that's going to cause problems there they have a housing shortage you look at their education they spend more on education than most states but they have the worst results and then you already mentioned the energy issue they they want to electrify their state but they can't produce enough energy to provide enough um, energy for their people. So is Joe Biden campaigning? Not really. That's the other problem. So, His- and, okay. So, and let's just say we fast forward. If he didn't campaign and then he wins this election, something nefarious is going on. Well, 
Right now, that's the problem. He's not campaigning. He has a very minimal staff. I think he has, last time I checked, he has like four or five people on his campaign staff operating out of Delaware. Mm -hmm. So he doesn't hold campaign events. He doesn't hold campaign rallies. He's not doing anything. I think what his handlers want him to do is just stay low and let it be all about Donald Trump because then he doesn't have to – because you look at it when these indictments – when anything bad comes out about Hunter Biden – Right away, something comes out about Donald Trump. They want to make this election about Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. But they, also with that, so I mean, he can't really just ride on on that. He has to. If okay, if the if everything was on the up and up, like people were making money, inflation was going down, it would be far different. It would. He doesn't say anything. Then yes, he could simply just come back and be like, well. Uh, you know, you know. Here, here's the numbers. But, but if the economy is slowly getting worse, and he's not saying anything about it, you know, when when you just automatically pick the opposite person that's in the office right now, no matter who it is. Well, but see that, but see that's the problem. Is right now he doesn't hold like okay. Take the whole month. We're pretty much at the end of the month. Tomorrow is the thirty first, and he's been on vacation this whole month. Look what happened during this month. You had a crisis with the, the Maui fire, and he made a comment, no comment. I got a brother that lives out in Maui, and Biden is not exactly w- well-liked on the island of Maui. He's just not. But see, the, the problem the Democrats who have is, if not Joe Biden, and usually you go to your vice president. That's a normal stance you go to. Well, nobody is confident that Kamala Harris is up for the challenge to be president. So then... They're stuck because they, she represents two of their largest voting block, women and African-Americans, especially African-American women. So they can't have her, but they don't want to alienate their ba- that base. So if it's not her or if it's not Joe, then who? Then you got Gretchen Whitmer. She didn't exactly distinguish herself, and her state's not doing that well. Kathy Hochul of New York. The other big prominent Democrat, she's not doing well up there. So who do they go to? Okay, they can bring in Michelle Obama, but if I was, if I was questioning her, I would ask her, well, how come you're, you haven't said anything with the carnage going on in your city that you came from? You went and you left the White House, you stayed in Washington, and then you moved. You have a home up in Martha's Vineyard, and you're making these millions upon millions of dollars but you're not talking about what's happening to your own community. So who do the Democrats have? You know, and that's, you know, that's the question. But also if Joe Biden's not campaigning right now, wouldn't you also think that if somebody else was to kind of maybe move up in that position, wouldn't they kind of put Kamala on the forefront or have another candidate kind of at the ready to kind of do that? If you look at history as a guide, in 1992, when Pat Buchanan challenged um, um, President H.W. Bush, he, he, Bush won, but he was badly, um, badly damaged, and he lost in the general election. That's also when Robert, I mean, Ross Perot took some votes from. And you can go back to 1980, when um, Ted Kennedy challenged Jimmy Carter for the presidency, and Carter won, but it badly damaged Carter, so I don't think Newsom and any Democrat wants to badly damage their standard bearer, mm-hmm. but things are getting bad. 
Well, you know, economically, I'm branching off over here to Cody. Do you see anything, or no, would there would there be yeah. any potential person that you would see that would kind of maybe not only shift to a different party, but that you would see more as a hopeful other than the obvious? I see a lot of support for Robert Kennedy Jr. Yeah, online, um, he seems to be certainly a fairly moderate Democrat that certainly is willing to question the government and what all they've been doing. Um, and for a Democrat, he seems like no, a decent, that, that's decent a good, candidate. No, but that's a good point. I never, I never brought him up, but that is a good point. I mean, I, and I do want to kind of touch on that a little bit. Uh, what he was saying is because I like the idea. I've always had the idea that, you know, if two people were running, the, the loser should be the vice. Um, I know it's probably changed throughout well, the time. They used to it do that. Used to be, yeah, back Up in the seventeen hundreds. Yeah, yes. they yeah. used to do that. Whoever was number two became and, the vice and, president. And I that, like that. I mean, the whole idea of Trump and like uh, you know Kennedy as a ticket. You know, even though it might throw the Senate off. Uh, you know, especially him being that decide if he was ever came down to being that deciding vote. Yes, but I mean, I, I wouldn't. I would think you could almost get on a track of uniting the country to back to where it was, uh, you know, around, you know, prior to like Bush, uh, Obama kind of era of, you know, having a little bit of cohesion within the two parties so that they can both come together and agree on a certain thing on not what's good for them, what's good for us the as Americans. Is, and I go back to this. I think if we had a, a period of time, what you're describing is a bygone era because all those individuals that you're describing, like you're doing wrong when Ronald Reagan was president, he and Tip O'Neill, who was extreme liberal from Massachusetts was the speaker. They mm. worked together. They were like that cartoon on, on uh, Looney Tunes, the foghorn, leghorn. Yeah. 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 Nine to five whistle goes off. They fight like banshees at five o'clock. Yep. They were buddies, buddies. And, but there was an instance in 1986 where um, they passed a tax reform bill. And Ronald Reagan said, we just cut taxes. And Tip O'Neill said, we just raised taxes. But neither one of them would challenge the other's assertions because they knew they had to give something to their base. You won't see that today. And the other thing I think, and this is just my speculation, the reason why you won't see that is those individuals, up until George H.W. Bush was the last World War II president, after World War II, all these veterans went into all manners of the U.S. economy, from entertainment to sports to academia to the military, to obviously the military, but to um, the media. And they all saw what, and helped America, and they wanted to give back. You don't have that today. You have more people wanting to get take what John Kennedy said, don't ask what your country can do for you, but what you can do for it. Now you have people saying... Give me what I, I want everything from America. I don't care about America. Mm -hmm. And I think you have political leaders on both sides who are more interested in themselves and more interested in the party instead of what's good for America. And that's why you see this push to Donald Trump. Now, whether he's the vessel or not, we've seen populist leaders in the past like William Jennings Bryan in the late 1890s when he gave his um, cross of gold speech out in Nebraska, challenging the big super uh, uh, billionaires of Rockefeller, uh, Carnegie, and the like. 
and the Vanderbilts. So that's the problem we have. We don't have people who look like, okay, you and me, we served our country. We gave something up for our country. I spent three tours over there. You were you spent a tour over there and got wounded for it. Mm-hmm. You gave up something bigger than yourself, is yep. your country. We don't have politicians like that anymore. We have politicians, not statesmen. We don't have people who put America first. And that doesn't mean go back to some nationalistic things like people want to say. It's just like, like I'm reading a book right now about Robert Lightower. Leitziger. He was the trade representative for Donald Trump talking about the evolution of trade, how when they pushed the WTO and all these other trade organizations, that shipped American jobs overseas. Whose jobs were there? Those were middle-class, well-paying jobs. But the ones who pushed it, they have their money, and that's where Donald Trump could be, makes it be that vessel, unless somebody else decides differently. All right. So, John, if they have any questions, how can they you go can ahead and get a hold of you? by going to UbaldiReports uh, at gmail.com. That's UbaldiReports at gmail.com. Or you can check us out on all our social media platforms like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And we try to do this. I, I appreciate all the comments that came in. We're going to try We're going to be doing this every Wednesday at 730 Eastern Standard Time. We would like to do this every day to talk about different issues of the day because there's a lot going on and we just want to keep pushing that so i appreciate everybody um, pushing in or at least commenting in but i like to turn time over to joe and cody talking about what they are involved in so cody and i are an adventure with also ray he's not here today but uh of coming out with our own gun range gun store gun repair shop gunsmithing and uh a lot of things associated with it a lot of pro second amendment a lot of uh Pro um, police, uh, pro EMT uh, kind of um, environment. Uh, we're also kind of like opening up in a good like hunting area. So like the Second Amendment or is definitely going to be like our expertise. But also just you know, s- you know, two military guys getting up with you know two regular uh, avid enthusiasts of the Second Amendment and opening up our own store. Uh, websites be coming out here in a little bit. And uh, we're going to have a podcast to follow. So uh, if you guys want to get a hold of us, it's allamericangunslingers at gmail.com. I'd be happy to get an email from you. Tell me what you think. And um, with that, everybody have a good day. Until next week, till next Wednesday at 730 Eastern Standard Time, keep following.